Well, Father, we do thank you, God, in this day where we are giving thanks. The greatest gift you gave us was your Son, Jesus Christ, Messiah, King of kings and Lord of lords, God in human flesh, crucified and buried for us and resurrected the third day, coming again. We worship him this day, God, and thank you that you have given us now this mission of drawing people to yourself, of speaking this message of how Jesus loves them, that God the Father sent him to us, God. And you've given us the Spirit now, who is powerfully at work in this world, and we are grateful to be serving you this day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, church. Good to see you. Happy Thanksgiving. Did you enjoy your weekend? What a great weekend to be with family and friends and to eat uh, turkey and watch some football. And uh, speaking of football, you all owe me big for what the Washington Huskies did to, the, did to Washington State last night. I was getting texts at 12.15 and 12.20 in the morning hours from you, some of you. I was sleeping because I had to preach in the morning, but uh, I'm excited, and uh, yeah, I hope you uh, pull it out on Friday and uh, get to go to the Rose Bowl. So great, great time, lots to celebrate, and uh, as we think about Thanksgiving, we're in Colossians chapter 4 this morning, wrapping up Colossians. We'll be doing an Advent series actually the next four Sundays. Um, and kind of coordinating with those books that you parents have the potential of grabbing and, and, and working with us on uh, through the big themes of the Advent. But this text this morning I think is really fitting because it's a family text. It's real people in real places with really hard names to pronounce. You know, I go through these and practice them. I don't know that I'll get them all right. Um, but people that Paul is encouraging to uh, be the church. You know, we... we we have all this really strong theological base in Colossians, and then the second half of the book is all this practical application of how to live it and reflect Christ in the way uh, we did. And, and as I was going through this, uh, this text this week, we have our production meeting on Tuesday and put the service together, and, and, I was, and, we, and Jared and I usually write the themes of the text that we're going to preach on, and, and I was writing, well, the first theme um, that I wrote was prayer, that's in verse 2, and then I wrote evangelism, that was in verse Three, and then I wrote service, that was in verse 7, and then I wrote community, that was in verse 8 and 9, and I thought, that's our discipleship wheel. That's it. That, like, all four spokes show up in this text this morning. So I go, right, this is a chance for Kevin to kind of go, all right, here's what we're doing as a church. This is how we become a disciple of Jesus and how we walk in his ways. There it is. Like, right, those four themes, those red spokes there, those were the ones that were prominent in this text this morning, so I thought I would Take advantage to do that. Uh, preach that. Now look at you know all like a bunch of you are going. Oh, I've heard this sermon before. Like we've gone through this before. And so think about Matthew twenty-eight, the basic instruction to make disciples of all nations. Right. This is why we have this diagram. This is how we become a disciple. And then the last phrase of that is to teach them to do everything. I have commanded you to do. Now, how many in this room are doing everything Jesus has commanded them to do? You've got more to learn, don't you, right? We've got more to learn this morning. And so let's, let's set our sights on being more than just a good church. We're a good church. This is a sweet family. At Thanksgiving, I feel it. Like, this is a sweet family. 
But let's set our sights on being holy and wholly devoted, W-H-O-L-L-Y, in addition, wholly surrendered to the cause of Christ. Let's set our sights on being more than just having one foot in the church and in Christ's kingdom and another foot in the world. Let's, let's, let's become wholly devoted uh, to him. And to that end, let's do these basics and deepen our walk with him as we look at this text this morning. So let's do four, four, four spokes. And let's just take them at the order this text brings them to us. The first one is prayer. Verse 2 of chapter 4 of Colossians says, Continually, now steadfastly, in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Uh, the, the scriptures tell us in lots of places to continually be in prayer with God. This constant, ongoing conversation with God our Father through Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. And to be alert, it says, and to be watchful. In other words, when we pray, stuff's going to happen. And we're to keep our eyes open and watch for it to happen. And we're to look around like, who needs prayer? Like this morning as you come in here and you talk to people you gotta have, we got to be alert. We've got to be watchful. Like, who needs you to pray for them this week? I listen, right? We need all of us listening for who we can pray for this week. And then to be watchful because God promises he will answer and he will bless and give us his provisions. He will, I mean, I, I, I keep track of this. You know this about me. I say it all the time. I write down my prayer requests because I want to hold God like he says he's going to answer. I want to see that he does. And I go through and I check him. Like, wow, like this really does work. Like, God blesses. So let's pray and let's be watchful. And then it says and give thanks, right? Because when he does answer, we want to be sure to say thank you, God, for being so good to us. Do you know this thing called prayer is a sweet thing to God? Do you know he's excited when you come to him? Do you know when you get up in the morning, he's looking forward to you starting to talk to him? The Bible calls these things a sweet incense, Revelation 5.8, to God. They're like sweet smell that goes up to God when we pray to him. Like, like Thursday, you come into the house, or if, it comes to you, if people come into your house, the smell in that room is pretty good, right? And it makes us happy. That sweet aroma is very pleasing and makes us excited. And that's how God is when we pray. It's like aroma, the sweet aroma to him as we call out to him. It excites his heart when we draw near to him in prayer. So we're to pray. Second of all, we see here now, we're called, we put a big word to this in our uh, wheel, evangelism. I was excited, actually, that we picked this word. You know, the, us older people have heard the word evangelism over the years, and it's gotten old for us, but it was the younger staff people who said, we want to use the word evangelism. I thought, okay, well, that's what we'll use then, right? Which speaks of us reaching out to others with the, with the love of Christ. Verse 3 says this, At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. And so we're to pray for opportunities to speak the gospel. And uh, let me encourage you, if you've never done this, we, we've done this over the years, have a list of three, four, five, six people that you pray for regularly that they would come to know Christ. And then look for opportunities to be a blessing to those people. I kind of liken it to a tic-tac-toe board. 
in my neighborhood. Just, just plop a tic-tac-toe board on your neighborhood. You be the center place, the, the best, you know, the place you want to get the X or the O. But you be the center, and then know who is in every box around your house. Right? Do you know the names of those people? Do you know the names of the nine families that surround you or the eight families that surround you? If not, get to know them. Walk your neighborhood. It's a good exercise. Walk your neighborhood and look for people that are outside. And don't walk by them. When they're outside, step toward them and say hello and introduce yourself. And then get their name and then start praying for them every day. Right? And if you need an excuse... To walk the neighborhood, buy a dog, right? Or borrow nutmeg. I'll give you nutmeg. He's great. Like everybody talks to nutmeg, not me when I'm walking him. Like they'll talk to you if you got a dog. By the way, cats don't work. Like they're demonic, right? Stay away from them. (laughs) I just divided the congregation right down the middle. This is a good season to bring gifts to neighbors. It's not weird this time of year. We've got a Christmas concert here, December 9 and 10 in this church. Fabulous concert. I've paid a whole lot of money for things that are not as good as what you'll hear here on 9th and 10th of December. So come bring friends. They they will love it. And uh, I look forward to that. But, But be ready to speak the gospel. If you don't have a good way of sharing the gospel, grab the three circles track that's in the back. It's a fabulous way of sharing the gospel. Uh, with friends and neighbors. But then it also says, verse 5 says, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. See, we're to speak up, but we're to speak up in ways that are gracious and seasoned with salt. This means we're to mix in with people, with the culture, but we're to be tasty, we're to be pleasant. We're to be someone people want to be around, right? I think Christians can be kind of curmudgeon you know, and kind of against everything. No, that's not what God is calling us to be. He wants us to be a sweet savor, to be gracious, not rigid and judgmental. Be interesting. Pay attention to culture. No issues. Be able to talk about what's going on in the world with friends and neighbors. And be thoughtful. Know their side of the issue. We might disagree with them, but know their side and be able to see why and empathize with their side. There are reasons why they believe the ways they do about issues. And let's be helpful. Like Christians, be helpful. Don't just be critical of everybody. Find solutions to the problems in cultures. Let's be tasty. Let's be people that they want to be around. Be the sweet spot. My, my wife loves ice cream with stuff in it, right? So I buy, I go pick out ice cream with mix-in. They call it some of these fancy rest, these ice cream places, they call them mix-ins, right? And, and, and so when I bring home a carton of ice cream like that, I, if I get to it after she's gotten to it, she's gone through and picked out all the good things. Like, what's going on with that? Like, right? It's the good, tasty stuff. And then it's like all stirred up and it's all, stuff's gone, but let's be the mix-ins, right? Let's be the things that are desirable. Let's be the people that people want to be with and want the taste of. Let's be Christians that are salty uh, in our world. And do remember, do remember that God is the one that's at work. This is his mission, right? This takes the pressure off. Right? Enjoy being a witness. He cares more about these people than you and I ever will. 
And he is bringing them to us just to join him in what he is doing. So we can relax, be alert, and watch God work as we pray for opportunity. Third uh, in our text this morning is service. We're called to service. Verse 7. Tychicus, got that right. Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. Verse 8, I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Look at verse 11. These are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, that they may be a comfort to you, that this text is filled with these words of action, service, minister, work. Verse 12 says, they struggled in their prayers as they served. So this is a call to work. This is a call to action, church. A call to be about God's kingdom business with activity. Even with prayer. I, I have people sometimes will say to me, what can I do? I don't even know if I have any gifts. Well, here's what you can do. You can struggle in prayer. Right? I, I think as a pastor who does lots of things, and I'm thankful for all the things I get to do, I think the best thing I do is pray. And we can all pray. Pray. Pray for those that God brings across your path. Pray for your family. Pray for your neighbors. Pray. But work hard, it says. Verse 13. For I bear witness that he has worked hard for you. He worked hard. Serving Jesus is hard work. It's supposed to be. It's not easier. There's a lot easier and a lot of more relaxing things we can do. There are. I know that. We know that. We all know this. But God asks us to do things bigger than ourselves so that we can depend on him and see his power through us. Right? I mean, this is hard. I, I, I dream of an escape. Do you have an escape plan? I do. And it's to sell my house in Sugar House and move to Nebraska. Little tiny town. I can buy an enormous house for less than half the price of my Sugar House house and live with very few neighbors to aggravate me. And peacefully and walk the streets. My big task will be go to the walk to the grocery store and get my groceries. And just live in peace my whole life through. That's what I'm going to do. If, get, if you ever see me, I, if I don't show up, that's where I'm at. I've, I've gone. And you have an escape plan too. It's just because it's, it's hard work serving Jesus. And it's hard work serving Jesus in this place. But this is why Paul knew this. He had people like this in the churches. Right? Verse 17, look at this. This guy named Archippus, we're all this guy. We all, like, we're all Archippuses. It says, see that you fulfill the ministry that you receive from the Lord. Like, get to work. You're sitting on your butt. You got to go to work. Come on. Archippus, go to work. Right? Where, where are you making disciples in your life? All of us are called to make disciples, not just the pastors. Where are you making a disciple? Right? Where are you serving? Where are you using your gifts in the church? Where are you healing broken places in culture, meeting people in need? 
This is not easy. This is not convenient. It comes at the least opportune time. It requires sacrifice on us to do what God is calling us to do. And frankly, I think we ought to be a little reluctant because it is inconvenient and hard. We are reluctant. Think about Jesus. Right? Let's think about Jesus. He's the guy we're following. Right? And God the Father says, today I want you to go hang on a cross for our people. You know what Jesus said to that? Like, if it would be possible for me not to have that assignment, God, I'll take it. I, like, let me out of this assignment. Isn't that what he said? Like, can I get out of this assignment? That's Jesus. Like, it's not wrong for us to say, I wish I'd, I'd really like to get out from underneath this assignment that you've given me. This is hard. I'm really kind of reluctant to do this. Right? Take this cup from me. Luke 22, 42. But what if his reluctance translated into, I'm not doing it? Not only am I reluctant, I'm not doing it. Where would we be today, people of God? Right? Lost and eternally separated from the goodness and the graciousness of God. So let's not let our reluctance translate into, I'm not doing it. Right? Let's not let that happen. We should be reluctant. It's hard work. It's inconvenient. It costs. It's a sacrifice. But Jesus set the example. It was a sacrifice for him. And he asks us to do the same. We need to be servants. And we need to be servants at church and in our community. You know, we, we constantly have people move. Salt Lake City is a city where people move into and out of fairly quickly. And so there's always a, quite a movement of people in and through the church also. And we've just had a, a couple of people on our security team. Jason, where's Jason at? Right there. There's Jason. We need some people to serve on the, on the security team, don't we, Jason? Yes, we do. Some of you in this room, it isn't going to be inconvenient. We need you today to go and tell Jason you'll serve on the security team. We need some people in security. Sound people back there. Was it fun getting up at 6.30 this morning and being here this morning? It was a little, like, right? It was a little inconvenient, wasn't it? Do we need a few more people back there to serve? Okay, Sean Patrick, where are you? Stand up, Sean. Okay, if you can serve back there. There's a few of you today that need to do this inconvenient, sacrificial thing. Look at there. Talk to Sean. Come on, people. Don't let it translate from, ah, I'm reluctant to, I'm not doing it. Right? Teachers. Where's Shelly? Where's Shelly? Oh, you already seen Shelly. Shelly's been up here already. But you know Shelly. Do we need some teachers, Shelly? We need some teachers, right? Children. All the children in the room, stand up. Stand up. Stand up, all of you, quick. Get up. Come on, children. Okay. <laughs> Do you guys want to learn more about Jesus? Yeah. Yes. Yes. We need a few of you today to tell Shelly you'll serve and teach our children. Come on. You ought to be reluctant. It's hard work. You've got to get up earlier on Sunday morning. But don't let your reluctance turn into I'm not doing it. Right? Greeters and Seniors, where's Kelsey? Kelsey, you in the room? She's serving in the nursery, yeah. Kelsey is, uh, 
guiding the greeter ministry. We need some more people out front that are happy. Now, make sure you're a happy person if you sign up for this one. This isn't just for everybody, like, right? Tell Kelsey you'll serve as a greeter. It goes on and on, right? Come on, people. Don't just come and sit. Like, work. Let's go to work. Okay, enough preaching. Well, I'm going to preach a little more, but not on this anymore. The last subject this morning is community. And um, it shows up throughout this text where it says, <clears throat> notice these words again, verse 7, Tychicus will tell you about all my activities. He is a beloved brother. See the word brother there? Verse 9, and with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother. This is the language. This is the language of family that we see. Uh, and we see people, it says, greet one another, greet one another. Uh, welcome one another, welcome one another. This is like a family gathering, brothers and sisters who greet and welcome each other. And it is the work of God to reach out. The word is reconciliation. Invite people into the family. That God's face is toward us and his arms are reaching out toward us to invite us in. God is not this. He is not saying, I dare you to get toward me. He is this way to us. And he's asking us to be his hands and his feet and his arms and to greet and welcome. Don't let people go by you on Sunday morning without welcoming them to the family. This is a family here. This is what we see uh, in this text. Romans 15, 7, Paul says, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. And Christ welcomed us with all our imperfections and all our aggravations, all our annoying things and all our broken paths. And he welcomed us. And we're to welcome one another. And to gather together as a, a family. Right? It, it, the words here used, one was an encouragement and, and one was a comfort. That we gather to be a, a blessing to each other. To be a part of a, of a family, to take part, right? When you get together on Thanksgiving for, for dinner, people pitch in, right? If you're family, you pitch in, right? Somebody cleans the dishes, somebody makes the dressing, somebody's making the turkey, somebody's setting the table. We pitch in. This is what we are. You come here to work. Be a part of the family. I love last Sunday night. It was such a blessing. And people came early and prepared and set up the tables. A lot of you broke down the chairs and pushed the chairs against the walls. And other people set up tables and decorated them. And people made uh, food and made sure it was here. And, and, um, and then when it was over, a bunch of you cleaned up and put things away. And some of you were vacuuming. And we were a family. This is the church. This is what we are. So don't just come and sit on the outside. Be a part of us. Like be in... Included. I was in uh, Salem, Oregon a couple weekends ago with my children, my oldest son Carl and his wife Kayla, and some of you know them, and, um, and they took us to their church in Salem and uh, enjoyed worshiping and singing, and it was, these people love Jesus, it's thankful to find them everywhere you go, you find them. But after church was over, people kept coming up to our kids. And, and, and my kids were going, well, here, meet our new friends, Stefan, and meet our new friend, 
Aubrey and meet our new, like, you've only been here a few months. Yeah, you're coming over for Thanksgiving, aren't you? And we go and they go to another part of the room and some people come up and they go, oh, here's some new friends we have here too. And they invited them over for Christmas while we're standing right there. And I'm like going, oh my gosh. Like we miss our kids, but they're better off without us. They're kind of a place that really loves them and cares about them and inviting them over for Thanksgiving. They're taken care of. That's the church. Now listen, somebody's kids are in here today. And there's parents out there hundreds of miles away that are hoping that we'll love on them. And they need us to love and invite them to be included and to be at our Christmas and to get to know them and to be in community. Somebody's kids are here today. And are we going to be that kind of family? Right? That's, that's what God is calling us to do and to be. And we're good at it. I want to, we're good at it. But let's, like, we, can always, we can get better, can't we? We can get better. Band, you can come on up. I know we, we kind of talked about that, not being until the very end, but you're welcome at this point. Look at <clears throat> All of this activity, and this is the danger of preaching this kind of sermon, is it's a response. It's a response to what Jesus has done for us. All these instructions are built on the first two chapters of Colossians, who Jesus is and what he did. It's a response to God for sending us his son. Jesus, it says in Colossians 1, was the perfect image of God, of the invisible God. He was God in human flesh. Verse 16, it says, he is the one through whom the whole world was made. He was created with Father and the Holy Spirit. It says in chapter 2, verse 10, that Jesus was king of glory and was ruler over all authority. Uh, He was Lord of all things. And then it says in chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, that he came and he fought a fight. A fight that was unwinnable for us. That we were guilty of our sin and separated from him and Jesus took the penalty and the great accuser Satan who would point a finger at us it says he disarmed him and took the guns away so that all accusations made against us were now would not hold we're free to live and he welcomes us as his child into a family loved and accepted for all eternity. This was all done because of what Jesus did. This is Colossians 1 and 2. And what we are called to do, and this is our great theme verse in the wheel. If you have, put it up one more time. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says this, that all of life is worship and a response to what God has done for us. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So what are we to do in light of everything Jesus did? We give our lives to him and we surrender to him. We say, Jesus, what do you want me to do? I'll do it because of what you did for me, right? I mean, the cultural question that always comes is, what's in it for me, right? I mean, like, right? What can Jesus do for me? In light of the fact that he is God and he created the world, 
and that he died on a cross, King Jesus on a cross for us, does it seem a little funny that our first question might be, what are you going to do for me, Jesus? Maybe the better question is what Paul asked when he came face to face with Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? That's worship. And so as we close in prayer here now, get ready for a time of communion, I want us to ask this question. Jesus, what do you want me to do? First of all, believe in him, right? Trust him. Give your life to him as Lord. What do you want me to do, Jesus? I believe. Then he says to be baptized, right? Believe and then be baptized. That's what I want you to do. If you're a believer in me and you haven't been baptized, this is what I want you to do. Be baptized. We've got a baptism service coming up December 18th. Let us know if you'd like to obey Jesus in that way. Then he says serve me, right? Go to work, right? Pray, evangelize, serve, be in community. And maybe today what he's asking you to do is to turn from that sin you're hanging on to. It's the last thing you're holding on to and it's keeping you from a full, devoted heart to him. So let's just take a moment in prayer and Pastor Gerald will come up and lead us in communion. And let's ask God now as we pray, what do you want me to do? Mm-hmm.